Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights, as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. Uh, this week we are in our mobile studio, so um, we're driving along the beach road in Dubai. It's uh, 45 degrees outside, so air conditioning is blowing. And uh, it's been a little while since Oscar and I had a chance to actually just talk to each other uh, about what's going on here in the UAE. So, welcome Oscar. Thank you. We look at that beautiful hotel over there, huh? I know, the one and only Burj Al Arab, oh, wow. seven-star hotel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a unique place that we live in. And, it, uh, it sure is, it sure is. <laughs> and so this week um, we're going to have a chat. And what was it you wanted to talk about, Oscar, really? Yeah, no, I don't know if you heard about um, this engagement report that's been released by Gallup. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. I haven't actually looked into it, but I know you have I actually read it last year and I got a little bit upset. <laughs> uh, so... This report, they measured engagement at work all over the world. Right. And they divided into three categories. Employees that are engaged, employees that are not engaged, and employees that are actively disengaged. Right. And can you guess how many people are engaged at work? So they actually like like what they're doing, they like coming to the job, and they're passionate about it. Like globally, percentage-wise, what do you think it is? I would say it's got to be quite low. because thinking back to my days when I used to work in the corporate, uh, I'm going to say 40%. 40%, okay. Yeah. So actively disengaged, that means that you actually, you hate your job <laughs> and you actively work against your job. What, what percentage do you think that is globally? Like 80%? <laughs> but that's not. If 40% are <laughs> engaged, then it doesn't leave 80% left, very sure. No, but the, the numbers are actually quite disturbing. It's about 13% that are engaged. 13? 13%. And then the, the majority are, like, not engaged. They, they come to work, but they don't really care. Right. And it's twice the number that are actively disengaged. So about 25% are actually working almost against their company. Oh, like right. they 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 come to work and they bitch they not they're not happy right okay uh, so it's more people that are unhappy than happy yeah. going to work on a Monday or if you're in Dubai a Sunday morning wow and yeah and I read that report last year and I was like this is not okay this is not how it should be and I mean the next question is do you think engaged employees are good for the company like if you're engaged do you think what, what effects will it have. Well, I would imagine that if you're an engaged employee, then it's got to have a massive positive effect on your company because I want to be there. I want the best for myself and I'm working with a company that's going to help me do better and by me doing better, the company does better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know, like if you're engaged, if you're happy with what you're doing, you're going to contribute, you want the best for the company and all this. So, I mean, there's a lot of research on this, but we don't need the research because it's pretty obvious. (laughs) So, and you know, for my corporate company, when I do corporate trainings, I had many different training programs. I have the the goal seminar where we go take out uh, leadership groups in the desert and talk about goals and all yeah. these things, and then I had sales trainings and I did cross culture communication trainings, uh, so many different trainings, and then I realized all of what all of those have in common is actually I want to help to increase engagement and happiness at work. Right. So last year I decided this is what I want to focus on. So 
all of those things, it's actually to increase these numbers because these numbers are pretty bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're shocking, actually. Because yeah. uh, I then think about it, well, if I was the owner of that, any business mm. and I looked at those figures, I would be worried. Yeah, that no, exactly. My employees and yeah. my workforce were actually... Uh, working against my company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that should definitely be one of the key like strategic objectives for senior management. Yeah. Right? To to make sure that everyone. I mean, if you look at the big IT like successful like internet companies mm-hmm. like Google and these guys, you know. Yeah. I mean, we all seen these uh, movies from uh, uh, Google uh, head office, you know, where they have all these fun stuff yeah. they can do, <laughs> and you know. And when I look back to to the times when I was working for hotels. Uh, here in Dubai, but also in other parts of the world, it's not that uh, like the back office when you work in a hotel. It's not the sexiest area. It's not uh, prioritized. Yeah, you know, like there are a couple though. I remember you saying there's yeah, exactly. Yeah, hotels. there's Hyatt Regency in uh, in Dubai. If anyone from Hyatt Regency or Hyatt listening to this, yeah. they have done an amazing job with their back office. Yeah, they actually did like many of these tech companies are doing. So they have nice areas where people can sit and talk, and they have like like a play area, like right. this kind of a relaxed area. And so I think that's great. Do you know if they've done any measurement to see whether or not that's actually impacted? No, I, I, I'm not sure, mm. but uh, it is, yeah. Uh, I did a site inspection of the hotel and we were walking around looking at the rooms, looking at the conference room and they're like, hey, you want to come and see the back office? And I'm like, the back office? Like, you want to show the back office? They're like, yeah. And we went in and we had a look and it's like, this is amazing. And sometimes in hotels you work split shifts. So you would work in the morning and maybe in the afternoon or evening. And then you can, instead of going away, you can relax in that Mm. area and like maybe watch a movie, play some PlayStation, these kind of things. So I think it's a great initiative. And I think that's uh, more companies can learn from this. You know? mm, definitely. So, but um, I wonder. I also, and then this is me being devil's advocate. Because when mm. I was when I started my career in Microsoft, uh, their head office in the UK is amazing. It's like mm. you know they've got mm. uh, Xboxes everywhere, yeah. cafes, <laughs> and all of this kind of stuff. Because again, people are um, incentivized to work, but then they also are incentivized to stop working because it's, yeah. it's more for the coders who are sat there in front of a screen. Once they're dialed in, they're in, and they might be sit there for 14, 20 hours or something. And so there's all of this other stuff provided for you to, to decompress and so forth. But then mm. when I look at it from an exterior perspective now, it's like, wow, that's just designed to keep you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Everything true. Everything is designed to keep yeah. you there because now you don't need to leave work because yeah, yeah. you've got this here, you've yeah. got that there. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm not sure if that's just me being pessimistic. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that it's because I've changed the way I think about yeah, things. Once yeah. you start doing your own businesses and whatever, it, it changes how you yeah. um, how you operate anyway. Yeah. So. But I've seen these pictures of, uh, I think it was a Yahoo office and the, the coders were like sleeping under the, the table, like under the office. Right. And then they were like almost showing it like how uh, that they were proud, like look how hard our guys are working. Yeah. To, it's like, yeah, but you know, in, when I talk about productivity, a big thing is also rejuvenation. To leave the office and do something else. Yeah, that's the key to be productive. You know. Oh, so, definitely. Uh, this is it. Yeah. I mean, having a nice office is just one thing that you can do, and of course, the other thing I think is that everyone should do is to to, to work with the trainings and uh, you know, like invest in the people, not only the the hardware like the software, like the you know the people training, you know, like yeah. leader, coaching leadership, uh, these kind of things. It's, so, it's important because there's that old adage, you know, what if we, 
what if we train them and they leave mm. and then H, uh, the, 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 sorry, so HR says well, what if we, we train them and they leave and the CEO says what if we don't and they stay yeah exactly I, that, that, that's such a nice quote yeah. and I think in Dubai and UAE that's a big fear that okay we invest all this money in training and then they leave mm. yeah but yeah, yeah exactly but, <laughs> well if they stay and we don't train them yeah. and that goes then down to this idea of engagement and happiness at work because mm. if I'm not feeling like I'm actually valued by the company then I'm not necessarily incentivized to do more yeah, or yeah. not something well it would suggest I'm not even incentivized to do my job mm. you know mm. if these engagement figures are to be believed yeah. then I, people are not happy in general yeah. doing that but mm. do you think in, in your experience then do you think that ongoing training and exposure to that would, would shift those figures yeah absolutely I mean uh, there's and there's many different ways you can do it uh, my mom actually worked with this in the she started working with this in the 70s and 80s in Sweden yeah. and all, all through the 90s uh, they did uh, increasing happiness at work uh, projects in uh, like hospitals, uh, private companies, all over the place. And they could see a, a correlation. Uh, but what they did was they asked the frontline staff, what can we do to make it better? Right. So instead of top-down decisions, mm. it actually came from the people closest to the client. What, yep. what, what do you think? What, what would you do to improve this organization? What right. would you do to improve the customer experience? And they did those kind of projects. And that's one thing that is very, very powerful. Many times it's about asking, you know, like, what, what do you think? What, what can we do to improve this? You know? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, this is it. The, at the end of the day, your employees are your internal customer. Yeah, yeah. You know, we talk about things from a marketing perspective. It's like, well, ask your customer what they want. Yeah, and, yeah. They might tell you something yeah, quite yeah. interesting. That, yeah. Oh, all right, I can just yeah. uh, change the color of this product, and and, and it's going to shift, or yeah, yeah. vice versa. You know, ask people that work in your business and say, well, what would you change? Yeah, because yeah. sometimes we're not looking at it from their perspective, like you say, you're looking at it from an operational standpoint, and actually those guys day to day saying, look, if you just change this, and it could yeah. be a timing, it could be a process, it could yeah. be anything small which can be easily done yeah. and it makes a huge yeah, difference. Yeah, no, exactly. But without asking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what they did in the hospitals back in Sweden in the 80s was uh, the nurses were the, the, like, they were the ones that they took in projects and look, okay, what can we do to improve the, the situation? So instead of it coming from like the, the, the maybe many times in the, those days in the hospitals, the doctors became promoted to head of hospital. Right. Uh, it's, maybe it's not the case anymore now you would have someone that is actually a manager instead of a doctor managing it but at those, those times it was the doctors that was like heading the, the, the hospitals but instead of just top down the, the, the nurses would be like okay this is what we should do to improve and yeah. uh, it had a profound effect on uh, one thing about UAE I, sometimes I think that employers are thinking that people that come here and work, they should be grateful that they have a job. Mm. They don't treat the people as a resource yeah. that we need to invest in, that we need to, if we have great people and we invest in them, then we have a great company. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, I mean, my experience is mostly with hotels here, but what are you saying with the corporate like? Yeah, I, unfortunately, I think that the fundamental changes need to happen because the, um, the resource, the human resource here, depending on what kind of business you're in, is cheap. Mm. And, and therefore not valued yeah, yeah, by, yeah. by the, the companies themselves and say well if you're not happy then 
get, I'll get rid of you and get mm. another one because mm. somebody's, yeah. you know, there's more people b- banging down the door mm. to, to come and work for the company. It's just two arms and two legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, and, is, and this is, which is not the right way of looking no, at it. No, absolutely not. You look at, especially here in Dubai, it's, it's, it's shifting towards a service-oriented um, economy. Mm. You know, it's all about tourism. We're staring at the only seven-star <laughs> yeah. hotel, which is opposite the Jumeirah Beach Hotel, yeah. which is a five-star hotel. Yeah. This place relies on people coming here and visiting and it, having a great experience with yeah. those people they interact absolutely. with. Absolutely. But if those people are not valued, then again, if I was running one of these hotels, why would I be surprised when they are not treating mm. my guests well if I'm not treating them? Well, yeah, no, if exactly. I, if I don't yeah. value them as a, well, yeah. I rather I see them as a commodity that can yeah. be easily replaced. And if you stay in Bush Arab, you have uh, high expectations, you know? Yeah. So, of course, you know, they cannot, uh, I mean, the turnover is quite high in all these hotels. And, yeah. yeah, so... No, so one thing I think is asking uh, the frontline people what can be improved, and the other thing is also to uh, train the, the the managers in uh, coaching leadership. Mm. And coaching, lead- I mean, you have different models, but uh, the coaching model is more that uh, again asking questions. Sure. So, um, but do you think? Because here, well, the other thing that we have, and I know a couple of other countries have it as well, is the there's a minister of happiness, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. Here, and that that's that's supposed to be centered around the entire country, but of course yeah. that's going to rely somewhat on yeah. those people working here. Yeah. Do you see how the two yeah. come together? I mean, I, I'm I'm happy that they have this because mm. they've seen the importance of uh, increasing working with these things. Uh, I think I'm not sure how many of the projects are to all of the people in UAE mm. and uh, towards only the Emiratis yeah. because I mean we're the ex- it's the ex- expats and the Emiratis and I think we all need to be happy to, to well, contribute. We to, do, to, to especially <laughs> when you look at the percentage breakdown of how many are actually Emirati mm. and how many are expatriate. Yeah, There's a yeah. huge shift in terms of, I don't know, the last time I looked at the figures it was like 14 to 18% Emirati yeah, and everybody yeah. else is expatriate. So if you only Mm. survey or talk to the Emirates yeah, well, yeah. you know, a very small percentage of the people that make up this yeah this no absolutely uh, I think it's good that they, they have this and that they're looking at it and I think there's a lot of things they can do and I'm sure they are working on it to promote it and uh, I'm certified in uh, positive psychology mm. and positive psychology this is uh, what the happiness minister I think they base it a lot on the positive psychology movement okay. and that is that uh, they started to study people that are happy and doing great yeah. traditionally in psychology you study people that were sick that had a mental illness sure. so that's that was like you know the psychologists they all study mental illnesses but positive psychology movement they shifted it and they started looking at people that are happy what are they doing right. and what can we learn from that yeah. and it's about uh, flourishing it's about well-being it's mm-hmm. about you know uh, and that's uh, extremely important and I think that should be part of every government to push that, that yeah. may, the role of the government should make, be to make sure that their citizens are feeling good and well-being and that they can flourish. Yeah. So I think it's a great initiative and I look forward to see what else comes out from it. Now we have Happiness Street. Uh, have you? Yes, <laughs> yeah, I've driven Happiness Street a couple of times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, all these things, it needs to, it's with everything. It needs to go from just uh, an idea and theory to action and to... to uh, uh, turn the idea into reality and I'm there are lots of projects where they're working on this and uh, I look forward to to follow the, this journey with yeah. increasing happiness and well-being so we, so we can't necessarily control that because that's going to come from government and top-down but let's yeah. say for some of your clients how, how would you or somebody that was looking into this how would mm. you 
approach that person, that company, yeah. because this is, well, as far as I know, and I know that you were saying that in Sweden they've been looking at this for a while, but here it's still a relatively new subject, and mm. the idea of thinking about happiness and, and engagement, as it yeah. were, within your workforce seems to be, it's, it's old that it is, but mm. it seems like it's a new, <laughs> new, new thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say, or how would you engage yeah. with your um, Clients, yeah. how can you help them basically yeah I mean the way the way that I do it uh, that my model would be uh, we have different different uh, pro- projects that we do basically one is just simple team buildings yeah. we do these things in the desert together with my partner company we take out uh, uh, companies out in the desert and have some fun games and a fun day together basically yeah. and that's uh, that's a given that everyone should do like at least once a year do something fun with the team mm. uh, and uh, that's great but of course I don't think it's enough sure so uh, we also have these improvement projects where we basically would go into the organization and work with uh, this, what I was saying, ask the frontline staff. So it's the whole pro- this is the process that my mom developed in the 80s together yeah. with other consultants. Uh, so basically go in and ask and then uh, the senior management will get a report. Okay, these are the things that we could look at to improve. You know? So that, that's something that I provide and they can do it themselves as well. But how long, it, how long would that take? Though? It depends a little bit on how big the organization is. And first, we will sit down with senior management and like discuss a little bit challenges. And you know, So it depends on how big the organization is, how many employees and how many departments. But uh, I mean, normally we would do it in workshops of like maybe 8 to 15 people. Right. Uh, so, uh, and you, there's two ways of doing it. Either you take uh, department by department, or you take like two people from each department. Mm. To, so, so they're both are very power, powerful. Okay, so, it's interesting. So, I would yeah. one, I would almost say that it would be better to have those from different departments because otherwise, you get in your in in your department, you've kind of got the hierarchy already of who mm. who is. Not, not necessarily the manager, but who has the loudest voice yeah, and how yeah. they sway things. Yeah. Whereas if you have to take a subsection from each of them, then you yeah. start to get at least a, yeah. um, a, a more balanced view. I don't yeah. know if that's the right way of yeah. describing it. I mean, it. so with, with this podcast, we always want to provide value. So yeah. I don't want to pitch too much. But I think you can do this yourself internally. Yeah. But I think it's always better to have an external facilitator come in that can see the games. Yeah. And... Uh, Sometimes, like this, you know, that you have the CEO of the company taking uh, some of the people and the staff, and they're like, "So, what do you think? What should we do to improve?" And everyone is quiet because you know they don't want to say anything. To <laughs> yeah. The CEO. yeah. So, with these things, I think it's better to take in an external facilitator. That uh, we have a process because you have introverts and extroverts. Yeah. So you need to sometimes in, in these group environments, the introverts they don't they they might have great ideas, but they don't speak up mm. because you have. The extroverts, half of the group are extroverts, and they keep talking, and then the introverts are like, yeah, but and then the extroverts talk, talk over them. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to kind of, there's a process that we follow so, so to get the ideas from everyone, and you know, but uh, that's, um, yeah, so the, the team, buildings and, uh, team buildings, and then these improvement workshops, and then the other thing that I do is to do the goal seminar that we do in the desert. Mm-hmm. That This one we start with the senior management, and it's a lot also about the why. Have you read the book Start with the Why? Yeah. It's a brilliant book, and uh, you know many of the most successful companies. They have a clear why. You know, mm-hmm. the, the start with the why. It talks about this that when you know your why, why you why you're in the market, why you're existing. That's then you do the how and the what. Yeah. And most companies do the opposite. They yeah. start with what are we going to do and how, and then why. So we take them out in nature, and we work a lot on the why and the future and these kind of things. So that's also a starting point. You know, yeah. So. Do you, not, do you think it's important for the front line to be able to do that as well? What's the yeah. why for them? I mean, ideally, everyone should be part of this. Yeah. 
but it's yeah, a matter of yeah exactly yeah so you many times you you can start with the with the senior management and but uh, yeah of course this ideally in this process everyone should be involved you know mm. like why are we here why do we exist and you know with that you can build an amazing company yeah. like i think uh, in start with the why he talks a lot about apple mm-hmm. uh, and then you have google and all these uh, successful companies they have a clear why what why they are why they are here yeah, why they, why exist. they exist yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. it's like when you when you do your beat your cyber bully you know why you're doing it because you want to make i assume it's not the money that drives you it's contributing make something yeah. good for the community it's to do something to help mm. improve a situation which I look around and see there are things happening around it but if mm. if I don't do it then who's going to do yeah. it and if, no, if, if nobody's doing it then we've got a problem because mm. nothing's going to improve yeah. uh, so the why is to make a difference in an area where I don't see enough people trying to make a difference and mm. that's that's part of the issue I think when it comes to this for, yeah. for sure so to summarize I think you uh, everyone needs to realize that this is extremely important and this should be a, a strategic objective from senior management to increase engagement and happiness yeah and you can do you can work with uh, with your with your office space and make it uh, more nice but you also need to invest in your people with mm. trainings and these kind of things and you know team buildings uh, take take people out away from the office have some fun but also ask so what do you think? What what can we do to make it better? You know. So yep. that's kind of <laughs> the summarize. Yeah, it's sorry. a good good way to to end this uh, particular episode. Yeah. And uh, always interesting. Yeah. Hope you've enjoyed listening. As always, if you've got any questions, then send, send us an email to wishlist at swanglinese.rocks. If you've got any people that you would like us to interview, it's a summer here in Dubai, so a lot of people have gone. Um, but uh, we're sort of working hard on on different things over the summer period. But drop us a line. And uh, we hope to hear from you and hope to have you tuning in on the next episode. Thanks, Oscar. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.